listening to Sex Without Fear, where we talk sex, society, and everything in between. Make sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now. I'm Amber Radical, and I'm a trauma-informed and sex-positive birth worker in Northern California. We are now on Patreon, so to hear unheard episodes, grab some merch, and see behind-the-scenes stuff, and maybe take part in our polls for upcoming episodes, find us at patreon.com slash sexwithoutfear, and pick a tier to financially keep us going here. To find out more about all my projects, visit amberradical.com, that's one R, and follow us on Instagram. My handle is at sexwithoutfear for all the good stuff. Thanks for listening. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey everyone, I am recording here today with someone I've really been looking forward to coming here to my house in my little living room to record with me. (laughs) I have my now friend Destiny here. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Destiny Benedict. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Listeners might know you from the latest Netflix. When did that come out? Oh man, I want to say about six months ago. I cannot pinpoint a specific date, probably like... It was in like July, right? Of 22? Yeah. Okay. I think that's where we're at. So this is Destiny Benedict from Netflix, um, The Most Hated Man on the Internet. Mm-hmm. I think like for listeners who haven't seen the documentary, which if you haven't, I still recommend that you go and see it. I think you'll get a lot from it. But for those who haven't seen the documentary, I kind of want to go over a little bit of what happened. Okay. It's like a, is it a two-part series or maybe there's three episodes? I think it's a three-part series. Three-part series. And in short, it's about Hunter Moore having a website that was like back in 2010 is when it started. Yeah, pretty much around that time period. Yeah. And we're both 30 now, right? You're 30. I'm 31. But oh, <laughs> oh you're older than me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we were like, what? 20 or 18 around 18 19 20 19 is yeah. when you were on the website yeah right? okay and the website was is anyone up.com yeah and at that time like the internet was still kind of like new and fresh and you were a victim of his website where he where i mean not just him anyone could submit photos without consent of women naked or yeah. anyone naked yeah and I mean, where this is kind of where revenge porn got its name, right? Yeah. And are there laws now against this because of this? I believe they're trying to pass some more laws, but here in California, there is a revenge porn law. But did that begin because of the Hunter Moore situation? Yeah, I feel like that strongly influenced it. If it wasn't from that, it definitely like had, was a catalyst yeah, for it. Definitely. Okay, so this documentary is basically all about how. Hunter Moore finally got in trouble for exploiting women. But the crazy part is he didn't even get in trouble for the revenge porn. He got in trouble for frauding, for hacking. Yeah. Because he had been paying somebody to hack emails and where he got multiple women. So I kind of have you here today because, for one, I want to talk about anything maybe that the documentary didn't cover. But also, you were just kind of a small blurb of it. You were just one victim. And I kind of want this to be an opportunity to be about you. So thanks for coming. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I have some notes here about like my thoughts on the podcast. I mean, is there anything off the top of your head right away that you want to talk about that maybe the documentary didn't cover? Like what's on your mind today? Um, 
I mean, I do better when you ask me questions. But okay. <laughs> I'll just like jump right in then. Okay. Um. So first off, were you part of the music scene? Like what? Like, uh, how did the website come into your world? I did admire like the band horror part of <laughs> of the website. Um. So I was very much in the music scene. I hung out with a lot of scene kids. It seemed kids. to revolve around this music scene. Yeah. Right. But the way I found out about it was more so because once I turned 18, I was kind of meddling in other adult websites like pinup modeling websites or like freedom to express yourself. So I, I used to go on like pinup websites, adult model websites. I was kind of webcamming and experimenting with that. Um, I had a, a group of people who brought up Is Anyone Up? on like an adult website um god it's hard to explain i'm sorry no you're fine so you had found like various websites but like so is anyone up came into your view just randomly or did somebody like bring it to you um so somebody brought it up to me and said that i would love the website because it featured a lot of adult content and i was into like you suicide girls and yeah stuff. So, oh i remember suicide girls. yeah so i was all about that <laughs> like hot pinup girls and you know and guys so i'm not on suicide girls but i mean like i liked hot hot tattooed people <laughs> right and so like and at that time you weren't really seeing it through the lens of like a reborn a revenge porn website right it was just another site no it was just another naked s- pictures were on yeah it was just like really hot people who were obviously the alternative style that i had at the time so it was like oh my god, and some famous, like, band guys, which I, I, you know, at the age of 19, was just like, oh my god, he's so hot, maybe I have a chance with him, because he's sexually open like I am, and sends nudes back and forth. So could you communicate with other people on the website then? Yeah, there was a little chat area underneath the pictures. That so you could, like, put yourself, and then someone comments on it, and then you could talk to that person. It wasn't all just I'm going to submit photos of someone else. Yeah, there was an actual like area. And then people would find other people um through Facebook too cuz he linked Facebooks to, you know, some people's news. I mean, we were just coming out of MySpace where like whore for whoring was still, you know, a yeah. thing where you're just trying to like, yeah, send your pictures out and get followers and yeah. There's like that in between time between MySpace and Facebook. It's weird how this never hit my radar. Like, I never found this website, and by all means, I should have at that time. I'm yeah. surprised. So I, I still have, like, a lot of questions about the website because I happen to not yeah. fall into it somehow. But there's also other websites like it, too. I think that there was some other ones that were kind of similar, but his was, like, the one. Yeah. And it was only on for, like, two years, right? Yeah, I think it... I- I, I don't know exact time frames because everything was just kind of blur and went really quick, but it was about two, three years, I believe. Yeah, I think according to my notes, if I'm right, based on the doc, I think it got shut down in 2012, if, if, yeah. if I'm right on there. So that's a little bit about the website. So you found it kind of through friends. And then, but then, okay, so then you were in a group chat with your friends is how the first photo came to be, right? Yeah. We're going to now get into, like, butthole girl. Yeah. Which is, like, it's a whole thing. Which, like, (laughs) I definitely don't want you to still have to be that girl. But it's, like, we were just talking about, like, the rules of the internet and how, like, the internet doesn't forget. Which is, like, the worst part of this. Right. So, it's, like, you kind of have to, like, not necessarily work with it. But, like, I mean, I do believe that you can, like, 
overcome it and become something else. But I do kind of wonder if this is always going to be like a shadow under you. Do I, you feel I, that way? I do feel that way. Like there's plenty of other things that I would love to like move forward and do with my life. But I feel like anything I think of, I'm, I put myself on, like, let's say I'm on YouTube or something and you know, there's always going to be a comment no matter what. I could be fucking coloring a coloring book on a YouTube channel and someone's going to be like, hey, it's butthole girl, you know, like it's it's not going to stop. And So like, the only way that you can even like overcome this in any way is to not to be able it. to erase it, but to like work from it, be like, okay, I know, you know, just from the little bit we've talked, you're working with like trying to move forward in some sort of mental health like pathway. Advocacy, yeah. Yeah, and so you're going to have to just be like, well, because I was butthole girl, this led me on this path. And yeah. this is what I've learned. So you're just kind of working with it at this point. Exactly. Okay. So, yes, getting into butthole girls. So for anyone that didn't watch the documentary, basically, like, you were in a group chat with girls or whoever. And and guys. <laughs> and they kind of, like, dared you to send a photo, right? Yeah. Okay. And so they dared you to, like, stick something up your butt. And then you did it. But then they took your photo from that chat and put it on as anyone else. Well, actually I was in a group webcam chat. So like there was a feature on, I don't, I don't know if I can even mention the website. Am I allowed to say suicide girls or we we are? (laughs) Okay. Um, so I was literally back then they used to have like, it was kind of like, what is that tiny chat, you know, where you could dock up like multiple webcams at once, like six webcams at once. And you could like, I think you were more tech savvy than me at this. Okay. (laughs) So this was a, like a chat site and you could dock up webcams and you could have about six to eight people on your screen at once. Okay. And then, you know, as you're talking in the mics, you, it'll shift between. It's like early zoom days. Basically. Yeah. Okay. And, um, it was an adult related website and they knew I liked anal because that was something that I was very adamant to like, I was just open about is just, it's not a secret. Yeah. yeah, my sex life, I was very open about anyway. So that's something that the documentary doesn't really portray accurately because it definitely made it sound like you're just talking to your friends and they just dared you to do this and then you just did it. And it's like, well, no, so you were already in a adult group chat where you're already talking about sex. Yeah. And you're already on video. So you did it on video or you sent a photo? I, d- I did it on video and... And then they just like screenshot They screenshotted it. it. And so like, it was like, have you ever put anything in your butt before? You should put that moose can in your butt. And it was like on the shower bathroom like area. So it's like, like already there. So it was like just... in the background and they were just like that green thing right there. Put that in your butt. And I was just laughing because like this, this is not like uncommon for like my group of people. Like we just like fuck around. I had never thought because they were the same people who told me about Is Anyone Up? So I'd already known about Is Anyone Up? I, I just, but at the time, I didn't put two and two together. They're just like, haha, do this thing. Well, at the time, like, repercussions for the internet weren't as well thought of at the time. Yeah. I, like, I definitely don't blame you for that. I don't think that in any way in that moment when you did that, did you think you were going to become famous for it? No, <laughs> not at all. I literally thought, oh, they're, they're fucking around and, and 
they just want me to do this thing and I'm just going to do it. It's a dare. And I was, and still am, very naive and gullible sometimes. <laughs> so are you still friends with these people or is, oh, was that a... To most of them, absolutely not. Don't talk to them. A few of them will pop up here and there on like Instagram or socials and be like, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, <laughs> do I remember you? <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it wasn't even like a blurb in their mind. <laughs> they just... Ah, okay. Yeah, so you're not really friends with them for obvious reasons. Yeah, most of them. Some of them are, you know, they're just there, and I get it. So we are still talking here and there, but nobody's close. We There's no closeness there. Yeah, (laughs) okay. It's always crazy when, like, something, like, drastic happens in our life, and it's just, like, nothing to somebody else because it was just another day for them. Yeah. I feel like that's... I'm experiencing something in my personal life that's very much like that, where... I'm in therapy with somebody in my family and I'm like, you know, this happened and they're like, no, it didn't. And I'm just like, oh my God, that was like, I've thought about that every single day, my entire life. Yeah. And that was just just another Tuesday for you. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. So crazy. So that photo gets put on there and that wasn't really, is that photo, did it go out pretty far or did it only become a big deal? Because on this website, if you don't know, they were able to like link your socials and personal information to it. So what's interesting about the the first thing that ever ended up on there was that moose bottle was that a lot of people weren't phased by that particular post. I did not become immediately butthole girl from that post. There was, um, I feel like there was another post that somebody made after that post. And my, excuse me, because my, my memory could be like kind of bad. It's been like 12 years. Yeah. Um, but all I remember is like it didn't pick up a lot of traction. And then all of a sudden, like another post happened where it did. Of you? Yeah. Okay. And that was the one that you did the cell phone. Yeah. Okay. But like the in between time, like, so the moose bottle didn't, is that the one where they linked to your social that had the pictures of your kids? I think it was. See, that's where my memory gets a little hazy because I remember there were two different, like, butthole posts. So Okay. So, like, the documentary, at least, kind of implies that what happened was, so the moose bottle photo got put on there. They linked your socials, which featured your Facebook, which if you have a Facebook, you know that there's cover photos. And you had a cover photo with your kids, like, with their faces. Yeah. Like, we all do as moms. And, like, those were completely separate entities in your life. And at that time, you didn't really think that, like, I don't know, when you post your video on Pornhub, that that anything that you did on your Facebook would ever, like, those were just completely separate parts of your life. Yeah. And I think most people kind of separate, like, we all have this our sex lives and we have our personal lives and whatever happens. Like, some people don't do porn, whatever, but some people go watch porn. And I think every dude who goes and Googles porn doesn't think that, like, you know, Facebook is going to give an update on that or vice versa. So those things were separate, but it linked it and they were able to see your kids' faces and you were like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So I think that's that actually provides a little more clarity. So maybe it was that post that had um, my kids on it and I wasn't like particularly known as butthole girl right then and there. What happened was I had been like monitoring the comments on it and I was thankful that like literally it wasn't like a really huge thing yet but 
friends and family members of like my children's, my children's family, my close friends from my childhood, my high school days were all starting to comment on it and say like horrible things. And people were threatening to like call the FBI because my kids' photos were on there. Everybody was like livid and pissed off. And understandably so, I was also livid and pissed off about that. But Hunter wouldn't do anything. Nobody would take it down. So, yeah, so you, so you contact, did you know Hunter before this? Um, before messaging him to take the photo down? No, nah, I just kind of followed his socials, but so didn't really know him. him. I was, knew of he him. He was yeah. the creator. Okay. But when this came out, like, it kind of opened that door to talk to him personally. Okay. So you, you were the one who messaged him and was like, can you please just at least take down my kid's photo? Or. Yeah, kind of. And I mean, it's just like a, a big laughing, like, reply when it comes to him. So for me, I, I kind of studied him a little bit before I actually just, I didn't just go in and be like, please take this down. It was more of a, like, I'll do anything you want. I'll send you more pictures. Cause you already knew he was going to make you beg for it. Yeah. Well, it was either that or he was just going to ignore me completely and just laugh me off and not do anything. And I watched what he was doing with other girls who were like, please take this down. And he just make it a joke or screenshot them and post them. Um, and so for me, I was like, what can I do differently to get him to take these photos down now? Yeah, I don't want to like, wait balls to the wall. For yeah. Kids of your kids. And I was like, I already have experimented with anal. I've already experimented with pu- putting things in my ass. If he's going to ask for more pictures to take just this cover photo down, you can keep the other pictures up on your site. Just take my kids off of the site. Yeah. Like, so you're working with what you like. You knew, knew he wasn't going to go all the way for you. So like, okay, yeah. what, what are you going to make me give you? Okay, so then that's when the second photo came. So he blackmailed you, and he was like, well, if you want your kids' photos down, then you need to stick a cell phone up your ass. Yeah. Well, actually, so it started out with, (laughs) you need to stick various objects up your butt. Take the pictures of all these objects. I'm going to name off some objects. You're going to take a picture of the objects, and then we're going to do, like, a poll. Like, we're going to do a poll, and we're going to ask everyone what... This is literally torture. Right. It's like what people do to torture people. <laughs> and like, but at the time, I was just like, my kids' photos are going to be taken yeah. down. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, like, whatever. I think of a woman, like, being kidnapped and him being like, well, for me to release you, we're going to do this list of shit. Like, it, he yeah. held you captive totally in this situation. Yeah, except for it's all virtual, but it's still... That's real life, yeah, though. It's yeah, real life. It like, is. you really had to take those photos and you really, like, and your kids. Okay. He gave you a list of shit. So you sent all these pictures. Yeah. So it was like a highlighter, like a highlighter pen or like uh, a brush handle, um, a lotion bottle. There's there's all these different objects. But then he had the funny idea of like, you should stick your cell phone in your ass and I'll call it and I'll vibrate and it'll be really funny. And you should like take a picture or video of you doing that. And I'm like, at the time... (laughs) Honestly, I was so broke that my phone wasn't even in service. So here's a a little tidbit that people probably didn't know that he actually didn't call it. It was all for show and he just hoped it would get probably more people to the site. But I'm straying off. Sorry. No, (laughs) but like, honestly, I actually had like weird, random, like unrelated, like questions about that. Like, I definitely think I was like, well, did she like 
did she put a condom on it or did it like was this like what she was going to use after like i know i was like (laughs) questions about the phone i was a fucking idiot let's just be blunt like i literally (laughs) just put it in the battery was in it and everything and it was nearly dying so it was still turned on i think that this is like okay as somebody who has like their own kinks or whatever and like i definitely have to like share it in the right company because like some people are just like so shocked like god forbid i tell people i have a foot fetish like (laughs) will freak some people will like gag right there when i tell them megan fox's feet are so nice (laughs) i I also have a foot fetish and i just that's why i love my foot fetish people like on my stuff i love it i love it (laughs) So so people will gag at pretty much, like, any fetish, but particularly, like, okay, people have anal sex all the time and don't even think about it. Right. And that's not even a thing. But I think that, like, your reputation was particularly, like, wrecked in this because of, like, the taboo of, like, it involves your butt. Yeah. And... Well, and at the time, like, anal was not something that you could just openly talk about. I, I swear, like, back then, I had people flooding my inbox, like, can you give me tips? I want to have anal with my boyfriend. And guys even were just coming to me nonstop, like, just, how do I, you know, make this a huge better? Fetish. Yeah. And, and it's actually, like, a huge fetish that's, like, becomes a problem in relationships because not everybody is, like, comfortable with anal sex or can. Like, yeah. I, I physically feel like I can't. Like, I've tried, and I it's just like it hurts so it's not even that i'm grossed out by it it's that like either i haven't mastered it or it just doesn't work for my anatomy and i know that like there's lots of people in relationships where they can't give it or don't want to give it and their partners want it and it becomes like a huge rift so people are out there doing yeah or wanting anal at the very least but like you're talking about it and i think a lot of people reflect on your story i feel like if it was almost anything else you would get more sympathy, but somehow like you're demonized yeah. because it's your butt. I was like, ew. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, no matter how much explanation you give to somebody that has hangups on this, they're not going to hear it. They're just going to be like, but you put a cell phone in your ass. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like going to talk on deaf ears. And I feel like that's, what's been working against you the most in this situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Ugh, it's so annoying. And it sucks because it's like butthole girl shouldn't be degrading. But now it is because of, like, what happened to you and, like, how people treat you with it. That I'm sure that, like, wearing that label isn't exactly even proud for you in that way. No, and it's, like, a laughing stock. Like, even the name in itself, like, butthole girl. Like, it's just... It has, like, a condescending connotation. And and it kind of sucks, too, because I'm not even, like fully classified as a girl i'm non-binary so at the same time it like it's like a double stab Uh, that (laughs) was gonna be that's actually one of my questions on here is how your sexuality has evolved and your gender identity and all that so i'm glad that you told me that now because i can use the right pronouns well i mean i go she her they them um i'm very comfortable with the I guess I'm comfortable with like the girl label, but like it just feels so much more fulfilling when people use they them on occasions. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be all the time. And um, yeah, I kind of I just like felt like I don't know. We can like touch on this later. <laughs> yeah, you really you didn't get to control your name anyways. Like if you're going to be doing porn, I think that there's always like, well, I'm going to name myself and I'm going to have control over what I'm known for and all this. And it, you just kind of didn't really get that choice either. no like i i wanted to be like a really like i said in the documentary like a hot girl on the site i don't know if they even you wanted to be a suicide girl yeah honestly like and and people thought that was 
stupid at the time but it, it wasn't like it, no that was the thing <laughs> yeah. I dreamt I like never did I think I would be able to get on the website but I was like man when I'm 18 I'm gonna get all these tattoos I already had all my piercings yeah I was going to be a suicide girl I got a, I fucking was it <laughs> I got past like the stage one and I got um I literally got accepted to be one all I needed to do was do a photo set and have it get put up on the site and then as long as it was like was that, that wrecked by this yeah, I mean, all my attention went into everything on the website that I had no time to, like, go pursue something. Everybody just thought I wanted to do porn porn. Like, oh, you want to be banged? You want to shove things inside yourself? When in reality, all I wanted to do was pose naked and be beautiful. Yeah. I, like, I... Like, you may be someone who likes anal sometimes, but that wasn't, like... Yeah, that wasn't... I didn't even want to make videos of, like... But... And every, every video I basically have put out there is somebody that I've been in a relationship with or I've talked to for a prolonged period of time because I was like okay if I'm gonna do porn then I'm gonna do it with people I'm dating not just random people now I'm open to it it's been you know a while I've realized I'm pansexual polyamorous and I have all these like you know things i I've learned, but back then when I first started out it was just like yeah I'll do it but it has to be comfortable yeah yeah, and that's another thing that, like, I think that you're also judged for is that this wasn't, like, a one-time thing. Like, you were wanting to pursue some parts of the lifestyle, whether it was, yeah, you know, maybe not butthole girl, but you were, you know, and that you've continued to do your modeling or continued to do, I don't know, what, uh, what other sex work, using that as an umbrella term that yeah. you are currently doing. But, like, I think that everyone's like, well, didn't you learn your lesson? Yeah, and that's, like, pisses me off, and I hate to admit it because people love it when you're pissed off about something they're saying, but, like, honestly, it pisses me off because, like, I love freedom of expression. And well, what they're doing is citing with your abuser that you should be shamed out of anything or shamed about anything. Yeah, so since you became butthole girl and this shit happened to you, then you aren't allowed to put yourself out there anymore. You should have learned your lesson and went and locked yourself in a fucking box. Because they're still shaming the porn aspect of it and not the fact that he yeah, shared it with, or that it was shared without consent and then also that it's your kids' faces on it. Yeah. Right, and so that actually brings me to the topic of motherhood and porn, which is like a loaded topic. Right. It's <laughs> like, I think that there's, I know for one that I feel pressure that I'm not allowed to have any sort of exhibitionist aspect to my sex life. So like whether it's making porn or um, posting photos or sending them to people that I want or being in an open relationship even. Yeah. If you're a mom. Yeah. That you can't do those things if you're a mom. Right. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. Like, how do you balance that life? How do you feel justified in doing this? Like, what do you think society should be thinking at this point? This is something I've said for a long time is like, how the fuck do you think kids are made? First (laughs) off. Secondly, if you're thinking of the best interest of your children and keeping them out of that business, it's an adult business. So you're going to be around other adults. You're obviously not going to bring your children. Nobody says that you aren't allowed to drink if you're a parent or smoke. Like, I mean, they say that, they should be separated, like maybe don't be drinking a lot around your kid, yeah. but that you're allowed to be an adult, that you're allowed to watch adult shows as long as the kids aren't in there. Yeah, so it should be the same thing when it comes to sex work, like as long as your kids are not involved. And I mean, like, so something I like to do when it comes to like sex work and, and parenthood rather um, is to keep 
like my kids away from all of that. So it's, I'm trying to find the right words and it's just not coming. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it. It's, I mean, the terrifying thing is that, you know, I've, I've done very well at balancing that. My kids are actually pretty sheltered, more sheltered than I thought I would parent. They know what sex is, but only through the eyes of birth, like me being a birth worker exposed them to like where babies come from. And so it's always been like really scientific, but like I have a kinky life and like, you know, whether I'm active in it, I'm very postpartum. So I'm certainly not active in any sort of um, like kinky lifestyle, but I will say my son was conceived on a good time. (laughs) And you know, that part of my life will probably never go away. It just ebbs and flows. And I've balanced that so well. And yet there are times where people will like message me and be like, I found you. On, I got a message after my post about you on my Facebook where I was like, does anyone have any questions? Right. Yeah. I got this message from this dude who was like the audacity of this man. I'm going to like, first off, his grammar sucked. So like, <laughs> I don't even really know what the fuck he was trying to say, but he basically like one accused me of judging you. He was like, uh, just so you know, I found you on FetLife. Which, like, I assume you know what Fat Life is. Yeah, I like, have an account. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, he's like, so how do you have the right to be interviewing her when you've done the same thing? Like, I found you and your stuff never goes away. And I was like, are you here to lecture me on whatever photos you found of me that you were on a website that features naked photos? And you literally have to have a Fat Life profile to view a Fat To Life view a Fat Life profile. profile. And... I was like, so you get to look at porn, but I'm going to get lectured about making it. And he's like, oh, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm sure you're not judging her, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, you're judging both of us right now. So yeah. like, let's get to the core of this. We we went back and forth and banter and he was, you know, trying to back backpedal and all this shit. And finally, I was just like, I'm sorry, but it's never going to be taken well if you obviously just whacked it to a photo of my pussy and then your post not clarity came to me and was like, by the way, I think that you should know that these photos last forever and you should have never done this. And I was like, imagine doing drugs and then going to your drug dealer and being like, you know, I don't think you're making very good lifestyle choices. (laughs) Like that porn would not exist if there was not people looking at it. And I don't know why the creators of porn get more shame than, than the people who look at it. Are people taking kids away from people who look at porn? I mean, child porn, sure, but I mean, in general, like you're you get the freedom to go look at porn as a parent, but that's where the demand comes from, right? Like, but somehow the creators of porn, especially mothers, like, is anybody like out there like taking kids away from uh, men who make porn? I've personally never heard of it. I (laughs) personally have not either. (laughs) It's always like the mothers that are like oh, well, you're a bad mom. And it's like, are you a bad dad if you look at porn or make porn? Like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems pretty misogynistic. (laughs) And that's another thing to, like, backtrack into your story if we can touch on that. So, like, not only did this whole situation, like, affect your reputation and all of that, but, like, your kids, like, you went to bat for your kids. And, like, I totally understand the brain, like, process of going, like, okay, I'll do anything to get these, the pictures of my kids taken down. Right. So, like, I am never going to shame you for that. That actually makes perfect sense to me of why you did that. Because, like, what, you're not, I'm not saying this in a real way, but you're not the most privileged person, right? So it's not, not like you had all. these other girls in the, in the documentary 
had a fucking lawyer for a parent. Right. And like a mother who was like famous for whatever, like, uh, partying with celebrities. She wrote a book on how to like party with celebrities. Yeah. It's like she already kind of knew how to work with people who have platforms. And then her dad, her stepdad was a fucking lawyer. So her little tiny booby photo that was hacked out of her email, like, she got that swiped away, and now she's like a hero in the story. And they, I, I'm not gonna like say the Netflix documentary made fun of you, but I still feel like they kind of set you up to be the joke of the of the of the documentary. You know, the butt of the joke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of felt a little bit like that. I think most people like. Okay, I walked away from that documentary going like, "Oh my god, butthole girl." That was like, I was just like, that was that, and then. like it showed scenes of my hometown i was like what the fuck these girls in my town i've never heard of this like and which you know immediately i was like i have to meet this girl you know yeah but i still feel like they wouldn't have even had a very intriguing story there if they didn't have your shocking story at the end of the day i still feel like netflix sort of exploited you a little bit a little bit yeah another thing i'm not used to you didn't get to be you didn't get to be the perfect little blonde hero in it of like oh like she didn't even want her photo scene right like yeah. she was she was just this innocent victim and you're a victim but not innocent is like how i feel like they still kind yeah, of portray it, it felt that way too and a lot a lot of people kind of like made fun of me like i can't like articulate because it's so traumatizing and people just totally. don't understand like how traumatizing you've been it a victim was. in this over and over and over and, and like over again like you said before like you opened this up with saying like i'm not privileged i literally came from uh well most of my family is poverty ridden or at least low income at some point yeah i mean we live in a in a very like low income area yeah and And like when i saw that i immediately was just like oh fuck this girl was like in a tornado like the most vulnerable situation i had family members who had the means to support me but because of the you know the content that was made the adult content being put out there i was just an embarrassment and got kind of like cut off so the people who could have helped me turned their backs on me and instead pursued like you know continuing to keep my children as far away from me as possible because of the judgment of like what I did not understanding why I did it even though they should have known because the way that I grew up was not the greatest and they knew it they were literally direct family that knew what I went through and just didn't lift a finger to kind of help me out of that I could see all of those pieces it was like not to rub salt in the wound, I'm just being real here, but, like, you were 19, you were already, you were a teen mom. I literally had postpartum psychosis before the website stuff happened. I was going through it. You went through a whole nother psychosis after that, I'm sure. Yeah. So you were, like, coming from trauma, teen parenthood is a trauma, and in our small town, which is... Our town is traumatic, I'll just say that. I literally, Red Bluff was, like, number one for teen pregnancies, like... Right before I moved I there, I was like, that. Mom, why'd you move me here? You had me at 16. You didn't want me to have a kid. You moved me to the towns where it's like most yeah, common. you don't have a lot of access. I don't even think there's a Planned Parenthood in Red Bluff, right? No. Yeah, you'd have to go all the way to Reading as a teen who wasn't even old enough to drive, right? Right. I don't know if you know this, but like ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. Okay. They studied Shasta County for being one of the highest rates of ACE scores in California. 
So we they used us to study that. Yeah. So anyway, so then coming all, all into that, then you have this experience. You're being exploited. And then I don't really know the whole story here and you don't have to share what you want, but then you lost custody of your children because of this. Not legally per se, but um, they alienated me out of the picture. So like at any point, I could walk into a courtroom and pursue legal action and try to be in their lives. But so much time has passed and so much trauma that I've gone through, I was too scared and embarrassed and traumatized to even step up and try to be in their lives. You go from being in, like, I had postpartum psychosis and I was released from a hospital for treatment. I got out from treatment and then all of this happened, literally back to back. Oh my God. So then I'm not in the right headspace this whole time. And people are going, well, I would have fought tooth and nail for my kids. And I'm like, I just got out of the mental hospital and got put on a website and then did everything I could it takes to get time. Yeah. And I got my kids off the website and then everyone's like, oh, you just abandoned your kids to do porn. And I'm like, no, I did this to get my children's photos off the website. Also, I was still recovering from postpartum. Yeah, you so, weren't healthy enough to be a mom at that point and not because you did porn, but because, but because you had all this other like, yeah. mental health and stuff And what going threw on. me into psychosis was my um, second child's father had cheated on me right after, actually, before and after I had our child. So, like... I was pregnant, and then after I delivered, I found out that he was cheating on me, and it threw me into postpartum. And that might sound so minimal to somebody, and I I do plan on doing more episodes on postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, okay. but, like, the domino effect that would lead to there and, like, what it feels like to be cheated on when you're pregnant and postpartum is... I mean, the hormones are already unstable as it is, so, then, like, yeah. then you throw something, like... That, that's just insane. Like, that's an insane amount. I don't even know you how You can I give life survived. to a man and he can go fuck someone else and it's... Oh, fuck a coworker. <laughs> it's... Literally. Like, oh, God. It makes, me, it makes me want to, like... And not only that, but this person was married or going to be married to... I can't remember, but to somebody who was a close friend family. So he cheated on me with somebody who was, like, directly in line with somebody who was a family friend. So it was, like... I lost somebody who was a family friend because that was his So you didn't have fiance. anywhere to turn him this time. And you did the right thing by checking yourself in, going to the mental hospital, and then so then you get out and then all of this blows up and you're just like, fuck. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and like, yeah, you were old enough to be a mom because it happened and you were a mom. But like, as someone who was also a mother at 19, we were not old enough to be a mom. Yeah, I mean, we I had... Quit. We didn't know, how, like... Were we in any way prepared to deal with postpartum psychosis? Like, we're just like, oh, people have babies all the time. I'll right? be fine. I, I don't think you, but I a, wasn't prepared. I was not either. It's not like somebody even told me that postpartum was a thing. Like, and back then, the resources were so, like, stretched thin. That's back in, like, what, 2011, you know, yeah. 2010, 2011 time period. And postpartum was just, like, unspoken of. Yeah. And... You know, and I had my first baby at 15, too, so it wasn't like... And you like, said that your mom was a teen mom as well? And my grandma. Okay, so she... And, <laughs> so and none like, of them had any advice to offer then, Um they were just as unprepared as you were. Exactly. You just get through it, yeah. I'm sure, is kind of what they said. <sighs> I mean, resources, if you think about it, were just stretched thinner and thinner and thinner, so what, what really did they have advice-wise to offer other than don't get pregnant as a teenager, you know, and that was it, and it was like, 
<laughs> what? Like, where's the rest of the details? Like, I need to know. <laughs> yeah. And, but basically, so they got your kids, or you did get the kids' photos off, though. Yes, I so did. So he did take them down. He did. And he replaced it with just, like, a, a normal screenshot without them in it, so. Okay. But then what escalated from there was that, so then you have the photo with the phone. Mm-hmm. Or a video. It was a video? It was a photo. Okay, it was a he photo had, that he, he had screenshotted of the video? No, so, like, what I did was I set up my my laptop webcam and just kind of put like a timer on to take the pictures of the cell phone okay so it just kind of like shutters what is the word like i know know what you're talking about this yeah yeah so it just like one by one by one oh so it took several photos yeah so it was like five or six photos of like the phone in my butthole but then like obviously hunter had the photos so he just posted the one he found was best but then he sold it to another website right that was actually the video so there was a a video that um of me getting on skype with hunter while i was drunk which is a completely separate occasion yeah that was way after so like you had lost your kids all this is going on and you you said in the documentary you were like drinking and just like not in a good place and he kind of vultured you in that time yeah and got you then to didn't he kind of say like oh well, i can make you famous so that you could get your kids back yeah and it was just kind of like this is how it works this is how you rise up to fame and if you want you know the money to like have enough money to like get a lawyer and whatnot then you're gonna need to do these things because these things are what lead you to like riches and fame right. so it was like i'm 19 20 years old at that time and i'm thinking well, yeah, this is how it's got to work. Because, no one like, else is going to help you. Yeah. Your family so, wasn't helping you. You didn't have a lawyer in your, in your you know, yeah, corner. <laughs> I didn't. And so then he sells it to another website. And this is what started, like, blowing my mind is that, like, you continue to be a victim and never making money. Like, I think he offered you a T-shirt or some bullshit, right? Yeah. So <laughs> there were times where he was just like, well, if you've done this, you've done that or done anything on the site, like, I'll, I'll give you a T-shirt if you do this. And and there was actually a time where I messaged him and I was like, I'm a size small and here's my address. And it was a Reading address. And he screenshotted my address and posted it on as anyone up. So for the longest time, my address was actually featured on his website as well, which is something I I wasn't able to like really talk about on the documentary. So I kind of wanted to talk about it today. Yeah, which like definitely really puts the fear of God in you that like anybody could show up at any time. Right. And, and luckily at the time I was living somewhere where it was like a two story house and I had, like, seven roommates, no joke. Like, we lived in the basement area of this, like, really nice house. And it sounds a little, like, I don't know. It's, it sounds like it's, like, how the fuck? Seven people in, like, <laughs> the basement area. But there there was a lot of space. Literally, we I had a little Harry Potter closet that I kind of slept in. And then I came out of. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the only thing that happened with them, with him posting my website was that somebody sent me a money gram. Oh, they your felt address? Them. Yeah. Like, I, I, like my roommates checked the mail one day, and they handed me the mail, and they were like, this is for you. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's just, like, a random money gram for, like, $100. And somebody just quite literally felt bad that he posted me on the website, wow. and he posted, like, my address. 
but who knows how many like people only... drove by that house yeah like looking for me and thank god i lived like on the basement part because there were some like old people that lived upstairs in the upper part so you drive by and you probably just seeing these like old people through the window and they're like what the fuck but i literally lived there <laughs> you got lucky because even an innocent person would be like oh here's her address like I'm curious what house she lives in and would just like drive by. Like I would be curious living in a small town to know like Yeah. Like I've driven past the house in like, Red Bluff yeah, where that girls. woman was kidnapped for all those years, you know? Yeah. I was like, Well, I wanna see the house. Like I've drove by like Haley Williams house in Tennessee because somebody just happened to know where she lived and they're right. like, Hey look, wasn't my idea, sorry Haley. But like <laughs> totally. but it's the curiosity. Curiosity. So like you're lucky that you got a money gram and nothing else. and But like, that's literally the only profit you've made off of any of this. It was kind of my point a few minutes ago was that, yeah. you know, you have all this trauma. You didn't come from privilege in any, in any sense. And then, which created this perfect storm. And then at the end of all of this, even when Netflix makes this documentary of this piece of shit of like how he did all of this to all of these women and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but like he doesn't even get in trouble for the revenge porn. He gets in trouble for like hiring someone to hack emails to get more photos. Yeah. And he was making enough to pay someone $400 a week to do that. Mm-hmm. And on top of the music scene, he continues to make music. And like he has like four times as many followers as you, which like I feel like says a lot of like how people have which side they've chosen yeah that they've continued to support i mean i follow people that i don't support like i follow trump to see his bullshit you know but like i i say i feel like you have to be pretty intentional with following him at this point everyone knows what he did yeah i mean that's like butthole girl is a pretty famous name at this point but so is hunter moore and he's continued to get more support so he sold this video to another website and it got like 2 million views or something insane. Yeah. And you know that he was, he at least made money when he sold it, however much that was. Which I I have no idea. We don't know. And then either he made some commission off of the views or the web, the other website did. Yeah. And they certainly didn't ask your consent to post it. No. So at this point in time, have you pursued any legal action with any of this? I haven't. Is that out of fear or like just preference or is it um, not having the resources to do it? I mean, a bit of all. I mean, even if I had the resources, I feel like. So it's actually part of my healing process to kind of just let those things go. I know that sounds, I feel like that doesn't, I feel like that doesn't sound right though. Like, I mean, we can all have our own opinions or maybe I would do something different or I would advise you to do something different. And it like, certainly is your choice. As as a victim, like I feel like standing up for other victims and pursuing legal action would feel like it would be the best for other people to like kind of see like, oh, well, I was a victim of this and I'm standing up for myself. But for me, I have a heart condition. I have a lot of barriers in my life and pursuing things unless I'm like a millionaire like and I can have people on like in every genre area to do it for me it's really taxing on my body and it takes away time that I have with my kids and it's like do I really want to put that much time and energy into somebody who exploited me or do I want to heal and let go and just like know that this 
this video I can DMCA request and take down on any website because I am the person in the video, which that's how I've been standing my ground is every time someone's like, is this you in this video? I found this video of Hunter. I found this video of you. I go, yeah, that's me. And then I click the link and I DMCA take it down because I don't even tell the person. I, I just, wish that you could like hire somebody to handle all that for you. So I, that you didn't I even probably have to could like, that. but it's so like, I don't know. It's satisfying though to like email the website and then get an email that day. Oh, we're so sorry. We'll take that down. We'll make sure it's never posted it again. I'm like, damn fucking right. Like you're going to make I'm glad sure. that's like, satisfying for you and you found something. Cause I know like, okay, this is a whole nother tangent, but did you know that like maybe not just child victims, but in specifically victims of child porn, when it all goes to the FBI and it's all like whatever they, every time that their video is, or photo is spread again and the FBI is aware of it, they are required to call you and tell you. So like, let's say that like you were exploited as like a seven year old girl and now you're like 30, you're still getting a call every time that a pedophile has seen your video. That could be once a week for the rest of your life. Wow. They are legally required to do that. You can't even like opt out of it. I feel like that's like both good and bad because it's, it's so like re-traumatizing. re-traumatizing, but like for people like me that it might give me some comfort there are not other people like me who that's just not comfortable at all right i was that's why i'm glad that you said that because like it seems like you're that's where you're getting your power back yeah and one um, out of many areas but yes (laughs) yeah well uh, and i want to hear more about that because you know i'm sitting here talking about how like you're still a victim and and he's for lack of better words like still more successful for you than you which angers me right like he's still like out there so much in this innocent light yeah and like you weren't able to get lawyers and all of this stuff but like you seem to be in a good place so like i kind of want to hear more about you know about you and like what you're doing and what your goals are and like wh- what you're working towards and all that so understandably like i'm working with doing like mental health stuff like advocating on mostly my social media because I'm home a lot and I have a lot of things in my direct life. Since I don't have as many resources, um, everything I do online is like for mental health and I focus on mental health because that's what I have control over is like my own mental health and my own like well-being. So it's hard to articulate. <laughs> right. Well, so... What are your big goals? Like maybe in the future, like if you're going to pursue a degree or maybe there's like a department that you're really wanting to work in. I mean, if you had access to all resources right now, what, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, so I'd like to finish college and get a degree in psychology. I'd like to continue to spread resources on the internet. It's where I feel most comfortable. But I also want to step out of my comfort zone and go to like actual um, rallies and events and advocate and maybe speak. Actually thought about doing a podcast, which is funny. I'm here and you run I'll this show you one. How to so, do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had just so many ideas. I think that it's not just people too. Like mental health is so like something I'm super passionate about, but I also like love animals. I want to open a cat rescue one day. I got like 120% in one of my EC classes. So I'm very passionate about childhood education and nurturing parenting and educating my children and 
gentle parenting. I don't know. No, I mean, I mean, these are all, all the things um, that I, I'm into. And it definitely correlates like from some of the traumas that we have. I'm sure yeah. that we just want our kids to live in a better world and to have a better start than we did. Exactly. And I, I want them to be very trauma and sex informed both like, cause uh, I don't, entirely shelter them i shelter them where it's necessary and i keep them safe and i don't tell them all details of everything but they know enough to like know like what's this part on my body and the actual, they have to like, know enough to protect themselves yeah and so you know my my daughter will know she has a vagina and and all the areas around it vulva clit and then my my sons will know what their parts are they also will know about gender identity too so if at some point they're like i don't feel like I'm fully a, a male they'll know that too and I'm very like I guess passionate about making sure that they understand themselves and that that I can provide like a safe space for not just them but anyone totally yeah when I said earlier that my kids are a little bit more sheltered it's kind of funny just because I feel like they don't pursue that like information about sex the way that I was like super curious about and I don't know if that comes from my trauma and like which this is a loaded topic but, you know, how much of me pursued this lifestyle, whether it's like my kinks or porn or my relationships because of my trauma yeah. and like how much of I would I have engaged in that if I had had a different upbringing or how much is just me and who I am. I feel like you could probably relate to like how complex that is. And like we're probably both still working through a lot of yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I said, like I talk to my kids a lot about sex. They understand it. They can protect themselves. But like, for instance, my 11 year old, like doesn't know what porn is. And I just bought him a laptop and I'm going to have to like approach that conversation, which yeah. is like a whole different level than like teaching him his body and how people can't touch it. I feel like I'm like, go, I'm like leveling up in parenting right now. And I don't know if you even mentioned this before, but like you had, you lost custody of your older kids, but you have more kids now. So like you yeah. are, you're raising children right now. Yeah. And so, so I have, I have three children right now and my oldest that I'm raising currently, um, is eight. Okay. Yeah. So she's, yeah, <laughs> she's not quite there yet with a lot of things to be discussed, but <laughs> I'm also learning how different kids are. So my oldest is like going on 11 and he's definitely on the spectrum and like sex is very matter of fact for him he's known what it was <laughs> since he was five yeah because he asked so many questions that like eventually like and i'm a believer if they ask it then they're old enough to know the answer yeah and he's just like where do babies come from okay but then how does the baby get in you like it just like got so deep that finally i was like okay i'm gonna tell you something and you might think it sounds a little weird do you want me to per like keep talking? And he's just like, yes. And I remember like telling him that like a penis has to go into a vagina to like make a baby. And he was just like, okay, that's weird. I'm good. That's, I'm, <laughs> and he's never asked about it again. And then he's like almost 11, but like I know, I know he knows. Yeah. And whereas like my next child is a spasmatic ADHD child who like has no filter and loves inappropriate jokes and just like has to sh he loves to shock people and he has that personality to where i'm like the less you know the better <laughs> i will wait so long to tell you anything because i'm just giving you power to be a disaster yeah. and so i'm like slowly learning how different kids are like i'm gonna talk to my 11 year old about porn on the internet and I know that he'll do everything to, like, avoid seeing it, which I think is healthy for a young child to, like, not see porn. Yeah. Um, 
I am not going to tell my eight-year-old that there's porn on the internet <laughs> for as long as possible because he will absolutely seek it out. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not sexual. I don't think he is pursuing it for, because he wants to masturbate to it or anything. But, like, if I was, like, there's naked people on the internet, he'd be like, huh, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Like, why? Let's see. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> don't want to feed the fire. <laughs> yeah. So, like, talking about sex to kids is so cool. It's my number one question asked in my podcast wow people ask me to do episodes on that i do have one episode called the good touch the bad touch and secret touch and that is um an episode on what my therapist uh recommended to talk to kids about protecting their own body so i do have that episode but in general talking to kids about sex people are like how how do you do it how do and i'm like I'm winging this every day. I'm just doing it different than exactly. how I was raised. Yeah. I don't know. I want them to be sex positive while also being protected. Yeah. Um, and informing them is like so important. But of course, according to their age and their levels and being their parent, you know them best with that. So right. do you feel like you were led to the porn industry in a toxic way? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. So it's really hard to navigate like. And there's like areas of, of this like industry in this little corner like you know that is very sex positive and makes me feel free and then there are areas where it's just like it's really re-traumatizing and <laughs> and it's hard because <laughs> it's such a, a huge area though like I don't know <laughs> right I I don't know if you resonate with this but like the idea of being sex positive and having the freedom to do what I want there's like this weird line where it's like how much of what I was doing to gain power back from my trauma was like, it's justified 1000%. Yeah. But like, was it healthy? And like, I definitely feel like I explored, um, sex or relationships that came from trying to gain power back from my trauma. I don't, I don't know if I like the more that I heal, the less I engage in those things. Yeah. And that's always like really confusing. Um, it's very confusing. The, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and so I uh, I get questioned a lot, and I think that both sides are valid to some degree, yeah. right? Like if we are making porn, for instance, because we have trauma, that's not necessarily healthy. But like if we didn't have trauma, is it healthy to make porn? And like what are those lines? And like I, I guess it's just like a matter of getting down to your why. Like why are you doing this? Yeah. And I think that that's what's really confusing for the public. So like, when I got the list of questions for you, I think a lot of people who don't relate to that or haven't worked through that or have different perspectives have the valid question of like, well, why are you still making porn? And right. like, are you doing it from trauma? Are you healed? Like, where are you at with And that? I think it, you know? like you said, it's valid either way, whether it's from trauma or not. You can't watch pull up a porno and tell me if that person has been traumatized or not. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and I think in my case, yes, some of my porn was made from trauma, like, you know, like to overcome it. But had I not made that porn and reflected back on it and made those decisions, then how would I have learned how? And it's not necessarily a negative. I'm not saying it's a negative, but like, um, like putting objects in my butt <laughs> 12 years ago, you can't see me doing that now. Like, yeah. I will put toys in my butt. I'm safely educated, but I had to go through trauma and to, to get there. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. And that's, right. I <laughs> you think know, that relevant, there's also the question, do we have to go through that to heal our trauma or are there other ways? And I would say it's almost kind of both. Like, 
I also, you said that you're polyamorous. I've definitely explored every variety of open relationships. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, uh, I never like to say this out loud, but whatever, I'm going to say it out loud. Um, just to, like, protect myself in my current state. But, like, you know, I partake in a swinging relationship, so we're not polyamorous, but, like, we'll be more sexually open. And I just don't but I have been in the polyamorous relationships where you have relationships with other people. Yeah. And for me personally, I'm not saying that this is like, uh, you know, across the board at all, but I personally was engaging in polyamory from my trauma and not believing that anyone could love me unless I gave them the freedom to also love other people. And even to some degree swinging is definitely like, I was definitely engaging that in the belief that if I, didn't allow my partner to be sexually satisfied in any way that he wanted to be that I wouldn't ever be enough for somebody. And so it was interesting. And I've been in many swinging relationships and many polyamorous relationships. And so I never knew like when it failed, is it failing because it's polyamory or because it's swinging or is it failing because it's not with the right person? And it's been interesting being on that journey. And I don't know if you relate. Oh, I can definitely relate. But I definitely think that that plays a part in what we're doing in our sex lives from our trauma too. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I felt like in some of my earlier relationships that I had to give them sex like it it was like a requirement like you're dating you know and i over time learned that that's not that's not how a relationship that's how i thought i made people fall in love with me same the best same yeah i mean you you hook them with that girl yeah Yeah. you hook them with sex and they'll fall in love with you and then you just keep giving them sex and they'll stick around and that's not the case yeah oh yeah Um, (laughs) i could go down the whole rabbit hole of lessons i've learned with that but I guess to wrap this up, I kind of wanted to just kind of go through the questions Mm -hmm. that everybody, including myself, kind of had. Anything that we possibly didn't touch. All right. So some of this might repeat a few things and we can, you know, we'll just kind of wing this. But right off the bat, do you feel like the documentary covered everything or misrepresented anything? Um, I don't feel like they covered everything that I wanted them to cover. Like I was going through postpartum that was kind of cut out and a few other things. So, um, I feel like they represented me. Okay. Like they did tell the story the way that I went through it, but they did leave out a lot of details and I understand that their time is limited. So I'm not too upset about it. You know, having, a platform to be able to speak on it now kind of helps yeah well good i'm <laughs> they glad paved that, the way <laughs> yeah totally well i'm glad that this one can be just about you anyways but yeah we kind of we kind of went through that so i'm going to keep going down people want to know like how you feel after the documentary i think i feel more empowered afterwards being able to speak out and at least make other people feel less alone and um have my voice back like they basically state in this documentary that they give the victims their voices back and i felt like they did do that um maybe i wasn't i mean able at to least he was the villain yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's a little validating i actually didn't even know that it was going to be like called the most hated man on the internet <laughs> until like the last minute so a lot of it was just like oh we're gonna talk about this time period and then eventually it was like oh so this is what's really going on <laughs> well and that brings me to a question down here because we didn't really cover this a lot but like i feel like your perception of him has changed right and i think what maybe 
some people don't understand is like your relationship dynamics with him and how, how it's evolved. So do you have like anything to share about your personal relationship with him? Um, so it progressed a lot longer than people would assume. Um, I actually was still talking to him in the beginning of the documentary. From what I was told, he was supposed to participate and he actually backed out. And the reason why I was so adamant on participating was because I was in contact with him and this was something he was willing to do. So I thought maybe, okay, it's going to show all perspectives, all sides. It wasn't going to be just against him. But like over time, I started hearing from, you know, the the people I was talking to or making it and everything that there were some things that he had done that I wasn't aware of and it did change my perception of him. And I decided that even though Hunter dropped out of doing the documentary that I would go on because I felt like if, you know, if anything, I can tell my truth and compare it with other people's truth. And so did you even know like Kayla's story? I didn't know it completely. I didn't even know uh, her mom even was talking with multiple victims from the site. Half the stuff I had no idea of until I started actually recording the documentary. Which, like, if you haven't seen the documentary, um, Kayla's mom, the one, you know, who was, like, kind of famous with the lawyer husband, she was talking to 40 victims who supposedly had photos posted within two weeks of her daughter. So that's 40 victims in two weeks. Yeah. The site was huge. Yeah, definitely. Which is is pretty crazy. And then also, you know, you said that you were talking to him up until documentary. And, you know, I think people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, you know, but you're still telling your victim story. Like how, but I think listeners may not understand how much you were still like kind of being manipulated and also like unhealed possibly. Yeah. That you were still kind of being brainwashed by him. You didn't understand the whole picture until the documentary. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, I also believe in like, you know, having a little bit of empathy for anybody, even if like nobody's perfect. So a part of me wanted to believe that the things he was saying, like I have a perspective of like, Oh yeah, I've made some fucked up decisions too. And I want to be better. So when someone's out here saying like, Oh, I'm never going to do this again. I want to believe it. It just sucks because I feel like that almost makes you like his perfect victim too and that you are able to like humanize him out of like the kindness of your heart Yeah, that, you know, a lot of us love our abusers and miss our abusers and like the lucky ones are the ones who the abusers don't prey on that. Like your abuser did. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I am human. Yeah. You made mistakes too and continue to blame you to keep him in a good light. And a big part was that, like, I was talking to him while he was in his, like, prison sentence. And a big part of it was that he apologized. And that meant the world to me because who apologizes? But then a lot of people painted this perspective of, well, of course he's going to apologize. He's sitting in prison. What else is he going to do with this time? And I didn't think about that. I was just thinking, like, from my perspective, oh, my gosh, he feels bad for what he did. And... And here I am on the other side giving him, like, celebrity gossip news and links and helping him take down, like, anything, like, Lifetime's trying to, like, post, like, a, like, a, is anyone up spinoff or something, like, a Lifetime movie about it. And he's like, oh, help me, you know, take this down, message my mom and my lawyer. And I was just, like, a little, like, 
you know, sidekick. Like I was a person he could send out to like do his bidding. But at the time he said he was sorry. And I just thought, oh, we're close, you know, and we've been through similar stuff and people have hated us for the website and everything. So I felt like maybe I just wanted to be special and felt special to somebody and useful. And I have codependency and fawning (laughs) problems. Um, and it took a lot of healing to really understand how deep in I was and that I actually was a victim. Like, I didn't want to believe I was a victim. Like, maybe I was the bad guy, too. And uh, I had to forgive myself. <laughs> totally. That's it's a lot like our relationship with our abusers is super complex and it's a lot easier to judge it from the outside. Yeah. Um, people may not completely understand that but from the outside like it makes perfect sense that he would apologize to you his biggest victim because you held a lot more power but if he didn't let you realize that then he was protected so it makes sense okay so that that kind of explains a little bit more of your relationship with him listeners want to know how you feel about the porn industry after this experience um i feel like I have multiple perspectives on it now. (laughs) I feel like I hold a lot of information that can help other people maybe navigate this industry uh, safely. I feel like saddened, I guess, for how many victims there actually are in this industry. Uh, Ones who maybe sought out to be something and turned into something they're not. But since they're there pursuing their dream and they're making money, they may just settle. The industry can be like a really bad place. But if you're well informed and you educate yourself and you seek out help from people who've been through it, I feel like it can be a very positive outlet as well. So you didn't leave the porn industry thinking that it was all a mistake or all evil. You more so took the stance that there's ethical porn and we should be educated on that and pursue that. Yeah, especially like consent, consent. Like, you know, it's key. And a lot of people um, who watch porn, they, they they watch it and they don't even think about the people in it. And, um, we have to make sure that the people in it are consenting. We have to make sure that like, if somebody doesn't want to do something, don't pressure them, go find an adult worker who will do it. Like, I think so many people have no idea how to find ethical porn or what ethical porn even is. True. And like, if you're not paying for it, it's not ethical. It's like a pretty good way. Yeah. And uh, if it's on Pornhub, it's probably not ethical. True. Which I was so saddened to hear about as well when all that stuff blew up. Because I had a Pornhub shirt and I was like on Pornhub. I mean, chances (laughs) are that maybe some of your videos ended up on there and it's not like you made money for it. Yeah, true. I I have seen my videos on many porn sites and not gotten a dime. So the famous videos are still out there then. Yes. And anytime I catch one, I try to not have it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People want to know how you feel about men now and if you have trust issues with men and maybe your expectations of dating, which would lead into the next question. If you want to share anything about your sexual orientation or your gender identity or your polyamory. But like, first off, how do you feel about men? (laughs) Oh, so I've been introduced to more misogyny in the world. Um, More than that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, more than that. 
But mostly hindsight is twenty twenty. So I look back and I used to have sex with guys and they'd be like, okay, now make me a sandwich and give me a massage. And to me, back then, 19-year-old me was like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, cook you food and give you sex. And now I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, maybe they were young, too. So I do have that in my head. Like, they were young. They only know what they saw and what they were taught. But the fact that it's so prevalent and that it was taught like that is ridiculous. Uh, my thoughts on men in general is I feel like ugh, it's so 50-50 to me. 50-50 being like, and now I have these, like, I took the goggles off. And I can see that there is, um, like, a what's the word uh, men are like the top predators <laughs> I, I hate to say it though but because i i feel for them though because they're taught to be that they're way. victims of the same patriarchy they right. just don't realize it yeah and the ones who do realize it are the dangerous ones though because they will use it to their advantage yeah and it definitely um, makes them more powerful <laughs> and the fact that i'm i'm pansexual so so I love everyone, <laughs> regardless of, you know, gender and, and all of that, whatever identity. If I love you, I love you. You can be a fucking alien and I'm going to be like, I'm in love with you, bitch. Like, <laughs> but, um, I've thought to myself, like, man, it would just be so much easier to date like a non-binary person or like a, like a girl, you know, and you get those thoughts because of being like men have been my main like abusers and it's really hard to talk about. <laughs> right. I, but, the numbers don't lie. Right. Yeah. Like, so of course, like I kind of, Oh God, I'm going to get shit for this, but I compare men to dogs and <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that just in that I fucking love dogs. I'm a dog person. Most yeah. of, most of them are good. Same. Yeah. But I treat them like wild animals. Right. Oh and that I'm cautious because there's a culture, just like there's an instinct in dogs and like you can't protect yourself too much. Yeah. And like the numbers don't lie. Yes, men are raped, but at a very small percentage in comparison to women. So like as a whole, I am going to be very particular and cautious about the men that I date. Yeah. In versus maybe women or non-binary people that might make me feel safer because they're more vulnerable and they know what it's like to be a victim yeah the dating pool and reading i'm sure you've been on the swiping apps oh boy i it's rough here i mean especially when i'm open like i'm open on tinder i'm I'm on tinder as well because i'm poly i have a partner but obviously you know i'm poly so i'm on there and i'm open about what i do for a living and it's just like I will get guys who, like, I honestly will be like, I want to cuddle. I want to go out to eat. I want to, like, have some meaningful uh, companionships. And immediately they see, oh, you're an entrepreneur. You must be an OF girl. Um, let's make content together. And now people are using this, like, oh, you, all these girls do OF. So let's just say I want to feature with you. I can make content with you. It's like the new want to fuck. And yeah. it's so irritating. That's weird. Yeah, and it's like you have like you're more than that. Even, yeah, like you're allowed to be that, and you're a real human that wants yeah intimacy exactly. And it's so hard to find. And it was already hard to find in the beginning, but now that you know we do OF and like like a lot of people do OF, it's like it's just it's frustrating. Do the majority of like because uh, you are still doing like ethical porn. Yes. Are your viewers primarily asking you for like butthole girl content or have they like 
Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's really hard because like a lot of it's re-traumatizing. A lot of people want me to do object insertion again. And I've said so many times, I will not do that again. I want to be safe. I could have had a cell phone explode in my ass. There was a battery in it. It's really warm in your butthole, you know, like that's that could have exploded. It killed me. A lot of the objects could have stabbed me in there. I don't I if you're sick if you get off on the fact that somebody's risking their life to put an object inside that which they may not realize but nonetheless you can only explain it so many times yeah so do you feel like people primarily follow you like expecting that or yeah absolutely like I get at least daily requests of like I want to see something in your butt or can you take a bigger toy than that or can I try fisting you sometime which I'm like, I've only ever fisted my butt twice. And both times I was caught on camera doing it without my consent. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a sore subject. But if you want to make me a millionaire, uh, maybe I'll consider. Offer me a million dollars. We'll see. So I never have to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I don't want. I just don't want someone else's fist in my ass unless, you know, I can go home and soak it in my jacuzzi tub. Like, it'd be hard to trust somebody to to do that for you. It's like your own self. You can, yeah, possibly not cause pain or something. Like, you know when to stop. I don't know. It's a lot of trust to put in somebody to do that. True. Okay, so your gender identity, you identify as non-binary. And you're pol- you're pansexual and you're polyamorous. Yes. Are you like currently dating multiple people? How long have you been polyamorous? Um. So I discovered that I was poly probably about like five six years ago. Um. I keep doing this thing where I fall in love with multiple people, and I cannot just be in a singular relationship like just with one other person it's not possible for me to be monogamous i have so much love to give it's not about sex and people think it's about sex like oh you just want to sleep with multiple people no i don't i could literally not sleep with someone at all i could date someone in a wheelchair i'm not kidding like i just love to love i love to be loved i love the different experiences like i could get like somebody who's fascinated with science and wants to talk to me about science all day and then I go home to my boyfriend who wants to sit and play video games all day and teach me about video games and then I go date like a mechanic and they want to like work on cars and go like you know the different experiences yeah and I just I love love yeah you're still so young and like I'm saying this fully from the same experience that I had kids really young that like you haven't had all the experiences that you deserve in life because kids take up a lot of time. They do. (laughs) If you're a good mom, you're not. (sighs) I barely have a babysitter to go out and do anything. Exactly. You're not experiencing my kids anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Your whole world becomes your kids. And I probably even, you know, when you didn't have custody of your other ones, you, your brain was absolutely consumed with them, which yeah. was probably where your depression and which is was. why I drank so much to try and try like try and shut that off. Yeah, I didn't want to no feel way. sad all the time. Even Who if wants you to know, feel sad all the time? even if it was like the right decision to let them go, or for people who choose adoption or whatever, your brain doesn't just like disconnect from right. those children. So I totally get that. Like you still especially growing up in a small town like you haven't gotten to go a lot of places or do a lot of things so like i'm sure that polyamory is super attractive for that because yeah you're not limiting yourself and yeah the, and the times i've been poly it's 
those reasons too. Yeah. And it's ethical too. And one of the things is I gab a lot. Like I am so honest. It sometimes makes me want to puke. Like, <laughs> and so like being poly and, and I'm ethically not monogamous. I will so tell you're not fearful of like what, Oh, I accidentally flirted with someone. No, I, I'm always honest. Like if I have a partner, they're going to know everything about somebody I'm interested in. If another person becomes a partner, they're going to know everything. Even if they don't want to cross paths, they don't want to see each other. Maybe they don't even like each other. They're still going to know some level, some high level of communication. This is what's going on. This is how I feel. I'm falling in love with this person. How do you feel about it? Even if they're jealous and I'm like, but I really love them. They're going to work through their jealousy issues if it's really important to me, if they really love me. I'm going to work through mine if they have a partner and and I'm jealous. You it, know, it all sounds so like wonderful and freeing, but I applaud you for the energy that it takes. That yeah. was something that being poly is a lot of energy. Yes. So much communication and like time. And that was where, that's when I gave up. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of patience that comes from, um, from other partners because I am a mother myself. So the time that I have is very limited. So they know that and accept that. So, which is, um, <clears throat> God, I'm still dying. Stop dying. Um, <laughs> let me just drink more beer and coffee, <laughs> <laughs> which also po possibly plays into why porn still works in your life, right? The time, the lifestyle. Yeah. People don't understand that. But that plays into why mothers choose to do porn, which is, like we were talking earlier, is so controversial. But, like, to be a full-time mom, oh, my God, that alone is one full-time job, if not two. Yeah. That, like, going to work and finding the time to be, like, out of the house nine to five is honestly not beneficial to our children's, like, upbringing. Like, who's going to pick? Like, a lot of people, you have to drop your kid off before you go to work. Then you go to work. Like, a lot of people have grandparents to pick up their kids. I sure didn't. And Same. And then you're working until dinner. Then they come home. And, like, if someone else didn't do homework with them, like, you have to do homework. And then you just bed and bath. And then, like, you don't see your kid ever. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but, like, yeah, jobs such as, like, porn or entrepreneurship of any kind really allowed me to be a better mom and nobody wants to say that a woman who does porn could be a better mom but right. I swear to god it's true it is and there's also intersectionality with being disabled a lot of people who are disabled pick up sex work because it's really freeing you can do it on your own terms and all of those things yeah yeah people don't and it, and when you have a disability like i myself i have a heart condition then you have your off days I struggle with mental health as well. So obviously things I've gone through, <laughs> but, um, in normal jobs, they're not going to give you a day off for that shit. No. So if you're like, Hey, I feel like right now, um, my heart's doing well. I've kept up on my medication. I'm hydrated. I'm feeling good. My kids are, uh, spending the weekend at their dad's or, you know, my partner will watch the kids for two hours. I can go somewhere else, produce content, come home. That content sells itself off. And then I get to spend time with my kids. And if I have a heart episode or something, I know that that video I made or the content I produce is selling itself off. And I'm spending time with my kids and I'm recovering and healing. So it's yeah. very beneficial. People don't understand that. Totally. I totally get it. And they say it's easy. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not. There's also just like a lot of competition with it. The it's, Yeah, it's flooded. Yeah. Every day somebody turns 18. <laughs> I'm not kidding every day. And, and we just get older and let's be fucking real about like how toxic that whole aspect of ageism yeah. is because you're 27, you're aged out of the industry. You know, yeah. 
can you imagine? I okay, and the older I get, the more like totally creeped out I am by it because, like, of course, I was eighteen and I was having sex too. But like, it creeps me out that men would prefer to see an eighteen-year-old girl over a twenty-seven-year-old girl. Right? Yeah, some of my content thirty-five. Like, I'm fucking thirty. I'm still gonna be hot at thirty-five, and like, no one wants to see that. They will trade me out for a fresh girl. Right. Exactly. It is. Yeah, some of my content sells better when it's from the Is Anyone Up time period because I was 19. So I have, you know, on my OF, like, oh, 19-year-old version of me from that time period. It's still me, but it's like, okay, 31-year-old me, and people are like, no. Oh, <laughs> it's just it's like... so creepy. Uh, that was something I just had, like, no concept of because when I was 18, I thought 30-year-olds were old. I still think 30 feels old, but I'm not old. <laughs> okay, this was one of my questions. Have you heard the rap song about you? There's a rap song about me? Yes. By someone famous. You don't know this. Okay, so this is going to be like my whole question is like how you felt about this song. Okay, so there is a rapper called Extension. How do you say that? Oh, XX Temptation, I think, or Temptation. Yeah. (laughs) And he has a song called Butthole Girl. Well, I saw that song, but I read the lyrics and it didn't seem like it was about What the fuck are those lyrics? I tried listening to this. It was the worst thing my ears bled to. But X was like, it was funny because my partner really loves him and he passed away, right? Right. Yeah. So like he's, he's amazing, but, um, I don't, I don't think that song is actually about me, but if he did, like, name the song after me, then I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because, like, all of Reddit seems to believe that it's about you. Okay. Which is where I found it. I guess I'll reread the lyrics, but the lyrics don't seem too relevant to me, but maybe he swiped my name for the, for the song title. Okay. So not relevant. (laughs) Okay. That was, that was just kind of my question is like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, and you and I, I already know have very different tastes of music. So I'm sure that like, uh, my music is very expansive. You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Mine's not. I'm like not into like emo, screamo, oh, anything man, that's like all me though. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't handle it. Like this is where the like screamier the better. I like <laughs> the whinier the better. <laughs> I will date punk musicians and wear earphones to their like oh no i can't handle i just hate it it's just like too much for me concerts are my safe space oh i love concerts but not like that i I love them i'll definitely put up with it in live and at a concert or at like my boyfriend's show or something a lot more than like i'm not gonna just like put earphones in for the day and like listen to i couldn't even name a band like this is where i'm like so uncool i was like all emo in high school i had like the gauges and like tattoos and like all the shit like i looked the part but like in no way was i actually listening to the same music i certainly didn't wear the band tees because i would have been a fraud but oh no uh, i just like all my friends loved it um like oh i put on here that like jeffree star had like talked about you yeah and i was like such a jeffree star fan which like fuck fuck them now but (laughs) uh i'm pretty sure that they just got canceled for some underage shit i don't know something what was i'm gonna google this i know there was one thing that was about racism but it was like 12 12 plus years back jeffrey's tried to apologize for a lot of stuff he actually runs like a yak farm now (laughs) he's living in like wisconsin or something i'm not totally sure that like taking care of yaks is gonna make up for past racism but let's see lipstick nazi oh and he was supportive of somebody who was accused of sexual misconduct uh and 
I just know back then I was a huge fan of Jeffrey, and so when he tweeted... Oh, me too. It was like a big thing when we were around that age. MySpace days, for sure. I walk into Hot Topic and put on those little headphones and press the, like, button to, like, sample the CD, and that's where I found Jeffree Star, was in Hot Topic with that little sampler with the headset. That's so funny. My friend, <laughs> I remember, like, the first song of Jeffree Star's that was ever played for me it was, like, by my friend Hannah, and she played, like... It was like an ice cream cone and it was like oh something about like cum dripping down. I don't even know. It was so bad. Uh, it was so bad that it was so good. Oh, I was in love with it when I was a teenager because it was like a song about cum. It was great. But I just Googled Jeffree Star and here's the top 10 of his controversies. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's plenty. Uh, top of the list is like the alleged relationship with Kanye West. But anyways, <laughs> so off Jeffree Star, but um, I thought. I thought that was funny. Yeah, he said, now that's what I call a real booty call. He was... <laughs> yes, I, he I will appreciate the pun. <laughs> <laughs> he frequented Is Anyone Up? He was very much oh, God, all over I'm Twitter. Sure. You could probably go and search Jeffree Star Is Anyone Up? And you could see previous old tweets. Unless he deleted them. But I love his makeup. I'll give him that. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> he can do the makeup. Okay. So going down the list of questions further, let's see. Um, people want to know, and I definitely want to know, but I'm not sure you're going to talk shit about anyone. We did kind of get into this, but like how you felt about the other characters in the documentary. But I think we kind of covered like Kayla's mom and the lawyers were just like, they were fine, but just, you know, the level of privilege. I feel like you kind of got lucky that you got looped into that to be able to like, you know, be recognized as a victim in that. But I do yeah. like, I still do wonder like how much help you would have gotten in this situation. If like these, like, they didn't allow you to like be like kind of piggyback off of the privilege there, which is like such shit that you wouldn't have gotten help as a victim because you didn't have the same lawyers and as a stepfather or, you know? Yeah. And uh, I do feel it's kind of unfair and I never was reached out to as a victim because I wasn't perceived as a victim. So you never talked to Kayla's mom? No, I actually talked to Charlotte laws for the first time. Um, after the documentary and she was very kind and compassionate um she's like a sweet old lady just a yeah. little self-centered possibly but that was just my perspective yeah i won't, I, I, won't I have a hard time you. saying anything bad about anybody when especially you see yeah me. <laughs> i'll i'll be i'll be the one that um hunter's girlfriend in the video definitely Kira. What the fuck was that? I can't even like. I don't even know. I tried. I've followed her since the very beginning. I looked up to her. I have a fat crush on her. I think she's beautiful, but sure, I don't know where she was like, at. I don't back understand then. her. Like even in the documentary, she just kind of like. I don't want to say that she just kind of played dumb, but that's kind of what I picked up. Was just like, well, if I touch how much like maybe responsibility that I could have like, ha like she really enabled him. Like I always say like behind every evil man is like some woman in his life enabling it because that's like how men feed off of things. She was kind of a clout chaser and I hate to say that. Um, and I yeah. usually don't say anything negative about anyone because I believe in karma, my bad, but um, it did seem like she was riding off of just everything, but also maybe puppeteering from the back, but I don't know for sure. And I feel really bad saying anything at all. Well, someone that I can absolutely talk shit about though, was the journalist who kind of helped cattle, like be a catalyst in this, like coming forward. And the journalist Camille, like, I don't know if you're listening, but I'm just going to call you out because it doesn't seem like the documentary was going to, but like you openly admitted that you watched Hunter rape a girl in your lap in a limo 
and you did nothing about it because you just wanted to be a vulture to get this news story out. And so I'm going to call out like that woman as being like one of the main people behind Hunter enabling him to be more evil. Uh, there's just like a lot of characters in the story and I'm sorry, but you were my favorite one. Like yeah. I just didn't like anyone else in this story. And it sucks because it's like they all get to be seen as like the heroes in some way. And I still feel like you, your reputation like didn't get the opportunity to repair itself. Yeah. The way that you deserve while these people just kind of like skated on by, by like watching him rape somebody. How is that not? I just can't believe that, like, nothing came of that. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Like, he didn't get in trouble for the revenge porn. He didn't get in trouble for raping a drunk girl in his limo. But, like, he gets in trouble for, like, frauding and hacking emails. I'm just like, oh, my God. This is what they care about. It's so maddening. Okay. We talked a little bit. I think people are kind of wondering if you have any childhood trauma, which we kind of touched on. And... You know, I think people are wondering, like, maybe what resources were made available to you and what you used. I specifically wonder if you've ever done EMDR therapy. What is that? Ah, Okay, (laughs) so I just did a podcast on this on my Patreon. So if you're listening and you want to hear my personal experience with EMDR, you can find that episode on my Patreon. But it's a type of therapy that literally, like, uh, so it stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing and it sounds super like hippy dippy and fake and it's not <laughs> hypnotization, but, um, it's a method of, of therapy for PTSD. You basically get to like reprocess an event in a way that repockets it in your brain to where it doesn't bother you as much, which is such a simple way to put this, but. Yeah, I was just kind of curious if you've ever been offered that. I have had a therapist briefly who did something similar to that. I'm not sure if it was that same name, but she would have me sit in a room and close my eyes and she would describe like you're, you know, flying over some large trees and she would just put me in a state of like relaxation and then she would recall, have me recall an event that was traumatizing and then I would um, describe every feeling, taste, touch, everything from that, that experience. Very similar. Did you have like buzzers in your hand or no, it, it beeping? Was, no, nothing? Interesting. Nothing. She just had me redo it. And then we, it was, I can't remember. I wish I could remember what it's called, but it was a brain type of spotting. therapy. Yeah, it brain was. Spotting? It was brain okay. spotting. So brain spotting was a branch that was taken off of EMDR. Yeah. Highly recommend doing EMDR. I was, It'll I blow your mind. stopped doing brain spotting after about four sessions because I started getting hot and cold sweats it's when intense. I was sleeping. Oh. It was really bad. I was waking up to like night terrors. I was reliving the trauma, but it was reprogramming my brain. And then I stopped. And she told me a lot of people stop and they don't go back. And I, I was one and I told her I wouldn't, but I did. I did, I did and two I feel sessions. Bad. It <laughs> changed my life and I knew I could use more, but I stopped. So I understand. I understand completely. But, uh, did you say that the documentary offered you therapy? Yes. So throughout the whole thing, um, I talked to them for a long time before we even filmed anything. So they got to know me, my background, my traumas, my family, everything. Um, and while they did that, like we were like, we had a close friendship, basically. They set me up with a British therapist who was really hot. he was really hot and i can say that now because i don't see him anymore so (laughs) but um the whole time you know i had him on call and um 
He's amazing. The best therapist I've ever had in my entire life. I wish I could pay him and see him still. He's in a different country, though, and uh, that was just a special gift from them to help me through everything. Have you ever had a different therapist other than that, or is that it? I've had many therapists. I do have extensive trauma. Do you prefer male therapists? I don't mind gender at all. Okay. Well, I it's, judge based on, you know, how they connect with me. It's just interesting because a lot of people will prefer female therapy for sexual trauma, especially if they're female identifying. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if maybe we connected on the fact that I actually prefer male therapists. Not yeah. Many people do. I mean, males are a li- little bit better for me um, in the sense of they're more logical. And so when I'm speaking with a female therapist, sometimes I can like visibly see them get a little uncomfortable or a little weirded out triggered and yeah and even just like not be able to like understand i don't know it's there's just something about their body language but then when i speak with a male they're able to kind of like they just have that more logical approach and they're yes, and they're I, not like I reactive and i also found that now at this point in my life i'm actually pretty sure i've slept with like more women and non-binary people than men mm-hmm. but during those years of my therapy, I had mostly only slept with men. So I found it actually easier to talk about sex with men because that's who yeah. I've been talking about sex with, which I thought I mean, is kind of a weird perspective. Not everybody mm-hmm. has that experience, but I do feel that since I'm like non-binary and I found that I'm non-binary, um, I found that out because I have more male characteristics internally than externally. Like I present femi, but I connect with males more than females just maybe certain females and so oh my god i have so many books for you (laughs) can we stay friends forever yes okay great because i have like so many topics after this podcast that i want to like i already love you i can't help it (laughs) okay uh i've tried to go through these okay what would you tell 19 year old destiny now oh man i answered that on my instagram did you (laughs) Sorry, I'm uh, making you answer okay. it now. <laughs> I almost want to read it because it's like perfectly said in words, but like, how do I reword that now? <laughs> um, primarily, I would just tell her that, you know, she's beautiful as she is and and that, you know, it's so hard to not read it. <laughs> right, I know. I can think of what I would tell 19-year-old Destiny because I know what I would tell 19-year-old me. Yeah. It would just be, you know, a lot about like, valuing yourself that you have the power yeah we have so much more power than we thought now i look like we were just talking about these young girls being like you know the most desired in porn like i don't think that people realize how like the world really is at your fingertips everybody wants you at that age maybe in like a horrible toxic way like you have the whole future ahead of you you don't have to be scared to do anything because you're expected to suck at everything, right? Like you yeah. are expected to be the smartest in the room. So go to college. It doesn't like, I always felt like I would fail, you know, at college. I was mm-hmm. like, I thought I was too stupid. I didn't think that I could choose any man in the world. And it's like, dude, at 19, I had the opportunity at any man that I wanted. <laughs> There's like so many things like, Oh God, I wish I could tell both of us at that age. Like you really have all the power. You run the world. Right. Which, you know, but it's good. Tell yourself, you know, 19-year-old self, like all the other 19-year-olds like listening. Have better boundaries, bitch. Like, yeah, <laughs> that boundaries won't make you lose people. And if, you if, know, if it does, that they weren't. Yeah, they weren't it was supposed to be there anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I just wish I could tell myself, like, hey, 
focus on yourself don't chase any guys like those are the the main things that left left me falling into like all these fucking voids in my life is i would just chase after love and the illusion of uh this happily ever after thing that well if we had just come out of households that maybe didn't fulfill those needs that's where we were we were just seeking the replacement of our childhood but had i focused on myself i probably would have been a writer i wanted to be a writer i would have you know, sang, made music, done all the things that I wanted to do, but instead I was trying to, like, you know, appease these men and people in my lives that I, I tried to find value in other people when it was in myself the whole time. And it kind of just tarnished my character, and I hate it when people see me for someone I'm not. Right. Well, I think that... You know, I've been listening to older voices more now, whereas like when I was younger, I didn't listen to any of them because I knew everything. <laughs> and I would say that like people listening now who are 40, 50, 60 and hearing us at 30 talk together about like what we would say to our 19 year old selves from the outside. Like, I want to tell you, like, you can still be a writer and like you should and you should still make music and like you didn't ruin your life because 12 years ago was already like that is a long time ago. That was such a small, like, two years of your life is nothing. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe the internet is still defining you as that, but, like, you do still have a chance to, like, redefine it. Like, you're going to go so far. Like, your psychology, like, whatever you decide to do that. I just want to mix it all up into a bag and do it all. <laughs> like, honestly. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Absolutely. But do it. You know, like, you totally can. Because I heard you say, I would have become a writer or something like you will become a writer. I mean, I I guess I already was a writer. You I'm, should definitely write a book about this. <laughs> I do. I want to write a book on everything, but the people would be quivering in their pants, probably peeing themselves if write I it, ever did. <laughs> write it anyways. You don't have to publish it. Write it. And then let an editor fix it so you're not in trouble and then put it out. True. That's my advice. I know a publisher and I can help you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do everything. Okay. Um do you have any other messages for listeners or other young sex workers? Um, advice in the industry? I mean, get your mental health right. <laughs> always, always focus on that because there is something in there for everyone. Um, especially if you're going to pursue something in the sex work industry, you need to make sure that your head is level and that you're not being gaslit, manipulated, controlled. Uh, make sure you know what you're doing is what you want to be doing. And if it's not, you know, take it down. Don't worry about people who say, oh, I really loved that video. I really loved that. Who cares? It's yours. Take it down. It's your property. It's your content. Don't fucking listen to any of the people that are bringing you down. I would never take advice from somebody who is living a life I wouldn't want to live. That's kind of what I live by. Yeah, that's my good. That's my advice to people. Yeah, and take advice from people who are happy because people who are unhappy don't know what they're doing, and right? also they want you to be unhappy with them. Yes, and to misery loves that, company. To prove that there's nothing else they could be doing about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, a lot of the advice I would give would probably fill up another fucking hour of our time when it came to like sex work stuff. But um, I'll bring you back on. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk again. <laughs> I will say that, like, you know, piggybacking on your comment about your mental health, I would also say that, like, while this is totally speaking from a place of privilege at this point in my life, my advice is still, if possible, to not be income-reliant on your porn 
because it puts you in a vulnerable situation to accept any work your way. Right. And I think that that makes it really dangerous in ways where if you're needing to pay your bills and the only person in your DMs is offering, you know, asking you to do something that you're not comfortable with, you're much more likely to do it. And yeah. I think that there's vultures on the internet who can identify when you're vulnerable to come in and, and you know, eat, eat that up. It's very sure. true. Yeah. If possible, like if your porn is just beginning, like I always recommend to have like another side gig, something that you can fall back on so that you can say no to what you yes. want to say no to. Porn stars can have day jobs. This yes. is what my partner told me and it's stuck with me ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an all or nothing thing. Yeah. Your porn work ebbs and flows. Sometimes you're just like triggered and not like just like you might go through a phase where you're just like not wanting to have sex. Yeah, I am sex repulsed a lot of the time. And so when that happens, uh, it's good to be able to not have to rely on just that. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also hard to, you know, being in certain positions to not be able to make that choice. Like poverty driven porn is a huge issue. Oh, I noticed like. I don't know if you like notice this, but like the in the documentary, the way that the news and the media talked about this, they were blaming you all like all over the place. It was just um there was women on like women newscasters who were like, Well, if I took a naked picture for somebody and then they put it on the internet, that's my problem, not their problem. That was my fault. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And that was twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, like, we have a long way to go, but I think that, like, we're watching in real time this change. Yeah. I I think that, I mean, the documentary was able to come out and show you guys as victims because that voice has changed, which this was the catalyst to that changing, at least, like, in a legal sense. So you have to catch up. Right. People have to catch up now that it's changed in a legal sense. But I do feel like they're, you know, we're not in as much of a victim blaming society. And it's kind of cool to see that watch real time. Like you had a part in that. Like, I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> that you were the reason, but I mean, how cool to watch it. At, le- at least you didn't not change it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at least the world didn't just move on. They were like, fuck. Okay. We have to do something with this. Yeah. And, um, I do want to bring up the girl, Danielle, that was in the documentary her what is it (laughs) the image-based sexual abuse yeah she changed from calling it revenge porn to image-based sexual abuse yeah so that way it's not as pointing the blame towards the victims it's pointing the blame towards the perpetrator like it should be and she is actually trying to get signatures to pass a law to change you know that so i felt that that would be something important to bring up so if totally because revenge implies that the person the victim did something in the first place to deserve it to be done to them that right and a lot of people like you know not that this is even okay but like the idea i think of revenge porn came from like oh well you broke up with someone so to get revenge on you it's like well, they didn't do anything wrong by breaking up. By breaking up with you. you. Yeah. And, and a lot of people didn't even have a situation like that, that where they did anything in the beginning. Where yeah. It was just, it was it just, just like, happened. haha, I know them. So here you go. Here's their pictures. And yeah. it's like, okay, that's not revenge porn. It's, you know, intimate image abuse. Yeah. <laughs> image based sexual abuse. I fully support that. And in fact, maybe we could try to find like where she's trying to get signatures and I can maybe put it in the description. 
or she's got an instagram and she has it on her instagram too do you know her handle i do if i can look at my phone real quick (laughs) okay destiny we're we're instagram stalking you not destiny i just said destiny (laughs) danielle (laughs) danielle two d names yeah i actually talked to her personally and told her i would help her but it's danielle green is her handle very straightforward yeah. Um, Do you see any of like her website or anything? Yeah, she's got the petition right up on the top side. In her now. bio? Right there, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, so check that out. We can get some signatures on that. Okay, well, those were like most of my questions. So like, did we cover everything? I think so. You feel good about it? I do. Well, I really appreciate you coming today. And I think my listeners are like really looking forward to this. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm sorry all this happened to you. But again, like, I think that you've been like an inspiring story. I will say, uh, you know, I already told you this, but my listeners or some of my followers on my personal Facebook, I didn't want to announce this to my podcast and until I knew for sure that you were going to come and it was going to happen. But I asked my Facebook followers, like, what questions did you have for her and all that? And I'll say, like, most of it wasn't even questions. If they were, they were things I already you know, wrote down myself, but I just had message after message after message, like, uh, from girls who were just, this happened to me, you know, and, you know, just give her love and tell her that we support her and like, thank you for what you've done because you are us, like we are you. And, and um, I really appreciate that. And my heart goes out to everybody who's gone through this as well. And it's, actually kind of sad how common it is but so common i mean I, those were all local girls on my page yeah, like here in our town that the same thing happened to them oh well, if they ever want to go get a coffee or something i'm down <laughs> yeah i mean one of <laughs> my friends space. one of my friends on there was like oh i was on the same website and i was underage which is another thing that's like never really addressed is that him <laughs> the yeah. hunter more like he doesn't acknowledge the fact that like he helped solicit child porn like there was whether he knew it or not he had a platform where child porn was massively spread on there. True. And that's uh, We can't horrible. even know how much was on there. But So anyways, my listeners love you. So mm-hmm. you're safe here. I hope that you're happier with maybe some of the perspective that was given of you here today. Than, Absolutely. Than some Thank of the you other for places. having me. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you on the next episode. And I'm, I plan on bringing Destiny back to kind of banter in my Patreon episodes. So if I can con her into coming back, she will be there. Just buy me a pizza. (laughs) I I will buy you pizza, no problem. Alright, bye guys. Bye. If you want to support Destiny's mental health advocacy or their sex work, follow their Instagram. Their handle is at destiny.brat B-R-A-T and check their links in their link tree in the bio. Through the best of times
Cause baby, I'm an anarchist, you're a spy.